Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the SpeedSport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris, alongside Justin Prince, the voice of the iRacing World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drinks Sprint Cars Championship, as well as we have a special guest joining us, Terry Radford, who's going to talk with us during the show a little later on, and our producer, Wayne Owens. Justin, we have a very special guest joining us for this week. He is the winner at Kokomo, of course. Evan C. joins us, and Justin, he put on a dominant performance. Dominant is an understatement because of the speed that Evan C. had showed in that respective race, because how things played out were he had some troubles in his respective heat with some of the attrition, but then had to claw his way back to be able to make it to the feature through the LCQ path, but also did one of the improbable things, one of the rarest things we've seen in the history of the series— Go from the LCQ starting spots to victory lane. He went to the lead in the span of 20 laps and did so primarily running the bottom of a line. The majority of the drivers were not utilizing at Kokomo. Let's bring in Evan C now because this is an intriguing story. Because, of course, you have the background with late models at the pro level. Now in your second start in a sprint car essentially at this top level, you come away with the victory. What was the reaction afterwards from you and your group knowing that you pulled that off and had one of the most improbable drives in series history? Um, yeah, you know, at, uh, I mean, at first I, I didn't realize that, uh, you know, coming from the bat like that was kind of a big deal because, you know, I'm used to 50 lap, 75 lap late model races where, you know, if you start in the back, you do have a chance to, to make it up, you know, to the front, which, you know, I've done that many times in a late model, but, uh, you know, it's definitely... I mean, 35 laps in a, in a sprint car goes by fast. And, uh, you know, if you can make it to the front, especially, you know, in a, in a pro field uh, like that, I mean, you, you definitely have to do everything right and not make any mistakes. So, uh, you know, it didn't really sink in until about a, a day later. I was like, man, you know, it's uh, you know, pretty special to be able to pull that off. And, you know, uh, probably won't happen again. But, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we can still keep the speed that we had uh, last Monday. Let's get to that point in part because... One of the main discussion points throughout the night was, could drivers switch around with the lines? Where would the preferences be? A lot of the drivers, it seemed, prepared for middle to top. You you had the car rolling fast and furiously around the bottom of the racetrack. Tell us about that decision-making to go bottom compared to the middle top to avoid the choo-choo train. Um, yeah. Um- you know, in a qualifier series, uh, me and my teammates had some luck uh, on the bottom, uh, you know, specifically at Kokomo and, uh, you know, Fairbury. So, uh, obviously, I was on a different tire, though, than what they've updated for the current Pro Series. So, I um, mean, I knew the bottom was fast then. Uh, you know, if it would still be fast in the Pro Series, I didn't know. But uh, yeah, I knew at some point it was a little bit faster than the top. It was just going to depend on, uh, you know, how many people decided to run down on the bottom and, you know, how the track sucked off, if it was going to do any track work before the race. So, uh, you know, definitely a lot of things kind of played into that decision. But uh, for me, it was still, uh, you know, pretty easy decision to make because I knew I hadn't seen nobody running the bottom, basically, uh, you know, in the practice races that we do, a couple of league races, uh, everybody seemed to just be committed to the top. and. Uh, I knew if the track worked, uh, the bottom was going to have uh, a little bit more uh, moisture down there than uh, it would if they didn't do any track work. And 
you know, how long that was going to last in a 35 lap race. I didn't know, but, uh, I knew it was, you know, definitely fast enough to at least get into the top 10 or top five at least. But, uh, you know, if it would stay fast, the whole feature, I, I didn't know. So, uh, you know, it kind of just took the chance, but, you know, like I said, starting in the back, uh, it was pretty, pretty easy decision to make for me. Of course, the decision to start towards the back wasn't necessarily your choice because obviously there was attrition your respective heat. Heat two was a battleground, to so say the very least, where you were the last driver to finish on that lead lap for that respective heat. Almost everybody was involved in trouble. And then he had Alex Berger on top of things who ended up struggling qualifying, going from last to first, essentially, in that heat. How was that mindset like after having the trouble in the heat and then trying to refocus to be able to gather yourself back up to have that tempo together to make that easy choice for the bottom for the feature race? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, definitely worried about, you know, if I could even make the the feature after that heat race because, I mean, I was looking forward to being able to see what the bottom had in the actual feature. So, uh, you know, not even having a chance of possibly not making the race, uh, you know, I was definitely, uh, you know, a little mad after that heat because, you know, I did not, I didn't want to have to go to a B main and not make it through the B main. And, uh, but I mean, the bottom, we was able to use the bottom in the B main and, uh, you know, my teammate also, and, you know, transfer from the B main. And, uh, you know, luckily it's, I mean, starting in the back, obviously, uh, I knew at that point everybody's going around the top. Just hadn't seen anybody trying to run the bottom at all. So, uh, you know, everything just kind of played out. I mean, I think it's, I think if it's any other track like Volusia or Dora, you know, probably not even going to transfer into the race unless, uh, you know, a wreck happens. So, I mean, everything definitely played out. But, uh, you know, we were set up for the bottom and, you know, it was perfect for us there. What do you think? Evan was so critical about utilizing that bottom that really nobody else wanted to utilize. I mean, you were, like you said, the only one who utilized it and took advantage of it to take home this win. Why do you think nobody else really, other than, of course, setup choices, did not want to utilize the bottom at Kokomo? Um, I mean, at some point, it, it definitely does slow down, and the top is going to be in a dominant line. Is you know, it's kind of in that stage uh, in the feature there to where it was just fast enough, and I mean, if everybody runs it and it slows down and then the top's the dominant line. So, uh, you know, I think everybody was just, I mean, nobody else really had any experience on the bottom. I mean, I'd ran it in the qualifier series and everybody ran the top then. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if six more people decide to run the bottom is maybe not as fast and the top's a fast lane. So that's the thing about dirt. I mean, depending on who's running, uh, what lane is going to slick off faster in other lanes. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I kind of figured maybe some more people would uh, try and run the bottom, but, I mean, it takes a whole different driving style and, and setup. I mean, you know, I couldn't have went to the top at all if I needed to that race. Just, you know, the car was not going to work up there even if I wanted it to. So, I mean, that's the thing about trying to set up for the bottom. You, you know, you're stuck down there. Uh, even if it's slow, you can't move up. So uh, it takes 100% commitment, whereas, you know, if you set up for the top, you can kind of move down. Uh, to the middle line and move around a little bit more so uh, I mean I, I guess you know everybody else is thinking about that uh, I mean if you set up for the bottom and it's slow then you know you're, you're definitely doomed to whereas the top does start to come back uh, once the bottom slicks so uh, but I mean that's one of the few tracks that's you know really the only track I can think of that's like that I mean Fairbury's kind of the same way but uh, you know when you have a track like that it's basically the only track on iRacing that 
you know, it's completely different from the top and bottom, how you set up for it and run it, it, you know, definitely provides for some unique racing. It certainly does. And one thing also that I've noticed looking over your bio and your career is you are also a phenomenal racer in the real world. Multiple championships with the UAS National Series, Carolina UAS champion. You know, you picked up a couple of championships at the Daytona Kart Week, which is just outside my backyard. What made you want to get involved with motorsports? Uh, I mean, it goes back to my my grandpa's uh, racing carts, and I've just kind of grown up in it. I've been racing since the age of four, so, uh, you know, I've just, just, it's in my family, it's in my blood, so I kind of don't know anything else uh, but racing, so, uh I mean, from even sim racing, when I didn't have our racing, I was always, uh, you know, like on Gran Turismo or something like that. So, uh, you know, to be able to I race and, you know, have a simulation like this, that, you know, is so close to racing in real life is you know, definitely fun. It certainly is. And we see how the rest what else you've been able to accomplish. I mean, a two-time track champion at Patriot Speedway. And also with your iRacing career as well, you finished in the top five overall during the 2019 iRacing World of Outlaws Late Models Championship. For the few years that you've been involved with iRacing since 2018, especially on the dirt side of racing, what things and changes have you noticed that have helped improve not only the iRacing service itself, but also maybe help improve your racing career, both in sim as well as in the real world. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of things on iRacing that has changed, uh, you know, since just 2018. Uh, you know, when I first got on here, I, you know, was just kind of having some fun. But, you know, I've always had that drive to, you know, compete at the highest level and in any type of racing I do. I mean, uh, I'm one of those guys that definitely doesn't even like finishing second. I mean, uh, you know, I want to try and win you know, every single race I compete in, you know, otherwise it's just kind of, you know, no point in it for me. Uh, I mean, that's just how I am. And, uh, you know, that's definitely, you know, drove me to, uh, you know, being on iRacing for less than a year, getting into the Pro Series in 2019. And, uh, you know, since then, it's kind of drove me to uh, compete at the highest level on here because, you know, when I race in real life, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to go out there and win and, you know, having a karting business also, I'm trying to represent uh you know our karting business and you know definitely looks good and when, when you go out and win doing that absolutely a lot to consider in that regard i want to ask on that as well how much things have played out in terms of trying to learn for the pro level side specifically the sprint car because from my understanding you raced a decent amount with it outside the pro series even when during the late model time how was it like for you because we've heard before your business partner on the setup shop side, Blake Majulis's uh, adaptation to the sprint car for this championship, for example. Yeah, I mean, me and him both really didn't have any experience setting up sprint cars and, until basically a week before the qualifier series. Uh, you know, apart from other open wheel cars, I mean, we had spent some time in the midgets and have ran big. Uh, you know, open setup races in the midget, but you know, apart from sprint cars, uh, you know, I'd driven them before, but most of mostly just fix setup stuff so uh you know trying to learn uh how to set them up you know basically a couple of weeks before the qualifier series is uh you know basically how i learned how to drive them these past couple of weeks and uh you know it kind of definitely helped uh you know with our racing updating the new tire kind of put everybody on equal playing field and uh you know i'm not gonna lie it definitely helped me out because i've probably been a little bit behind trying to 
catch up with everybody else. But, uh, you know, it's like I was talking about a while ago. I mean, when I get into a new car or uh, a new type of racing, uh, you know, real life around here, I, I always want to try and be, you know, as fast as I can be and compete at the top level and, you know, win at the top level. I mean, uh, you know, I don't have fun going out and just running top 10 or, you know, barely making the, the shows. That's just uh, not how I am. I know Blake, uh, you know, he wants to go out there and, and win also. So, you know, two of us uh, both want to win and compete at the highest level. So that definitely helps us out. And, uh, you know, uh, working on setups, I mean, it's, you know, just like weight models. I mean, we try to try to figure out what's fast. And, uh, you know, if we're not fast, we're always testing and, you know, seeing what we can do better. Now, the next race is going to be an intriguing one because it's to one where the series hasn't been at in the past. It's also very different compared to a lot of the other dirt tracks on the service. Bristol, the hometown and home track driver for the state, keep in mind Hayden Cardwell, did not have the best opinion of it. What's your opinion on how this can play out for Bristol and how you have to set up the sprint car for it compared to some of the other tracks on the schedule to be able to be fast there? Yeah, it's uh, you know, definitely a unique track. Uh, basically, complete opposite of Coca Motor. It's not, nothing else like it, you know, the banking, the size of it. Um, I mean, it also depends on, uh, you know, how much uh, practice they're going to give us, uh, you know, next Monday and uh, what they're going to do to the track. You know, hopefully uh, they let it slick off because, I mean, it's, it's a hammer down track and, you know, qualifying is, you know, probably going to be the most important uh, aspect of next Monday compared to basically any, any other track we go to in the Pro Series. Um, I mean, I definitely don't see a, a whole lot of moving up if you qualify bad. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to get lucky and hope for some wrecks. You know, otherwise it's going to be, uh, you know, definitely hard to pass, I'd say. Um, but, you know, it's uh, good to have, I think, tracks that are, you know, completely different than from each other in the series. Uh, you know, definitely keeps us on our toes. And, uh, I mean, it's a fun track and drive anyways. I mean, it's fast, it's uh, wide open, and, you know, definitely changes when it slicks off. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, it's a different track, and that's what I like about the series. Now, before we let you go, where can fans find you on social media to learn about you, your racing, as well as the business you're, you have family-wise that you refer to as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, iRacing-wise, uh, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook, obviously, as uh, Evan C. And then, you know, me, Blake, and uh, Chris Ferguson also have our own uh, iRacing setup shop, a uh, Majul C Speed Shop on Facebook, and uh, CFMEsports.com, and then, uh, you know, Kart Racing uh, CR Performance on Facebook, and, uh, you know, it basically has all of my uh, karting uh, business stuff on there, and we also got a website for that, too, on Facebook, and uh, so, yeah, that's uh, where people can find me. Congratulations once again on the victory at Kokomo. We'll see how you handle the Last great Coliseum, Evan. Congrats. Thank you. Once again, that's Evan C. Coming away with a victory in the iRacing World About Laws, NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars World Championship Series, the second round of the 2021-22 season. When we come back, we'll be having the opportunity to speak with the winner of the Red Bull Ring Masters for Canada, Racine Fazui, in what can be described as his biggest victory at the majors level yet. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosswheel Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosswheel Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burris with you after 
an intriguing discussion with Evan C. of the iRacing World of Outlaws not to drink Sprint Cars World Championship Series after his win at Kokomo. Now, changing gears a little bit, this past weekend, there was also plenty of intriguing action when it came to the Red Bull Ringmasters. The Red Bull Ringmasters was a Canadian-held tournament at the national level that started off as time trials for drivers qualified from across the country before going into a knockout round the previous week. Then, the top eight from that knockout round were flown to Toronto to compete at the Red Bull Gaming Studio in the heart of the big city to be able to compete and see who was the Red Bull Ringmaster. Racine Fazui was the favorite entering that, and he in turn came away with the top prize and the hardware in the heart of Toronto. Racine Fazui now joins us on the iRacers Download. Racine, first things first, you've had some time to reflect now since that victory and domination for a majority of that weekend in Toronto. How are you feeling now knowing what you've accomplished and what was a major victory for you and your sim racing career? Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, it was the, the whole experience was uh, really new to me because it was my first land event in terms of uh, sim racing or even in terms of any form of esports competition ever. So looking looking back at it, um, I'm quite amazed by what I was able to accomplish, but obviously uh, I've got back to the sim and, and went back to practice to uh, to to move forward and, and try to be even better myself uh, after that weekend. Let's talk a little bit about the weekend first, because you mentioned it yourself there. It's the was the first time for a land style event for a majority of the drivers. That was the case. What was that experience like from your perspective, knowing? You're racing against your drivers on the sim, but also they were right next to you in the same environment, in the same studio as you competing. And you got to interact with some of them in some cases, potentially for the first time in person. Yeah, it, it was weird because uh, some of them were um, ex-teammates uh, in previous teams that I was in. And we used to talk on Discord and then to finally meet uh, meet those guys in real life was a, was a, a bit a bit different. Um, but then after we all met on Friday, actually we met at the airport, which is a funny thing because, uh, in the top eight, six of us, um, departed from Montreal. So, uh, meeting the guys in real life was really cool. We really nice conversations. Uh, we ate together. Um, uh, and then, yeah, it was, it was a really, really enjoyable weekend, uh, with those guys for sure. What was the most memorable moment for you? in that entire event with, I know there was a lot that was through the process of everything. What was going through your mind that sticks out the most from that weekend? Um, so I'll say competitively, I'll say uh, the preparation, like right before the event. So just me being in my hotel room, uh, warming up, uh, having some music, trying to zone in, trying to focus. Um, but outside the competition, one thing that marked the weekend was I ordered about eighty dollars of uh, uh, chicken fast food. What? Because, why? Yeah, because I ordered on Uber Eats, um, and I'm not aware if I can say the name, but uh, I ordered on this application, and I my order didn't go through. So I was like, okay, fine. But because I switched to Wi-Fi, I switched uh, from Wi-Fi to data. Uh, then my order went through. 
Um, however, I was already preparing another order. So as I send the other order, I go back uh, to the second floor uh, to meet the, the guys because they already had their food. And I realized I have two orders incoming. So I'm like, oh, and yeah, but, uh, thankfully, uh, some of the guys didn't order. So then we shared food and, and yeah, I ordered for $80 of, of, of fried chicken. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, well, at least you got a lot of chicken in out of all that. Uh, yeah. But at least when I was asked this after the race from some of the people with Red Bull Gaming, for full disclosure, was a part of the broadcast side myself on that. What they were asking about the most memorable moment. To me, it was that start of the third race. For reference sake, the third race, you were parallel, basically parallel right across the entire field, sideways in front of the entire pack, right into the starting zone. What was kind of that reaction knowing, well, everyone in the room was screaming after that contact? So, so as we got off to the start, the strategy was to try to bank in some points. Because we didn't need to win, right? And as I say, we uh, while I was racing, I had a uh, I had a, a friend of mine, Midzi Al Fati. Also had Gordon Much uh, here in the event with me. Mm-hmm. So uh, two two good friends of mine on the sim, uh, helping me out, uh, spotting me during the race, giving me tips and advices. So as we started the third one, we concluded that there's no need to win. Uh, the only need is to finish top P P five and above. We would be even. If I believe it was Andrew, if Andrew wins, we would be even uh, at, uh, at P1 in championship. And then we would, uh, I would win uh, with wins, right? And as we go to start, I try to time Suelio, but I try to give some room because I couldn't, I, I wasn't on triple, I was on single, so I couldn't see him on the right side of my screen. So I really try to make his nose pop out on my, sing, on my center screen. And as we do that, I get net coded. Uh, by Andrew because Andrew was uh, in line a bit offset to Swellio to the left and when I checked the replay there was like a large gap right so as this happened I I yanked the steering wheel to the left got it back straight and then and then just 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 went on with the race so um so yeah it was a bit of a heart attack but when I got back into a straight line like we all left it off so yeah that was that was funny yeah that was an incredible situation with First, the save, but two, any bigger of a contact or slide about, or if you went fully around, mm-hmm. might have changed mm-hmm. the whole complexion of who came away with the win in that yeah. time. Then, yeah, if I if I had went fully around, it would have been uh, a catch up race, and uh, thankfully those races were forty minutes, so yep. I don't know if it would have been possible, and I don't want to know if it would have been possible. I'm I'm happy the way things turned out, so. Turning things away from the Red Bull Ring Masters, one mm. of the things you described was some of the teamwork you've had with some of the more recent organizations. You mentioned, for example, during the weekend, a partnership with uh, Roman Grosjean's group. How did that come about and how is that going? Because I know you also just so happen to have to fly back to Quebec to compete under his banner for another event the next day. Yeah, so... Um this came about um, because um, of communication with people on iRacing. Uh, I had an entry for what what is called the Creventic 24-hour series, uh, formerly called NEO. Um, 
And after last season, since we finished above top five, uh, we had an entry for this season, but I didn't have a teammate uh, because Gordon joined the uh, RG. And um, I asked Gordon, I asked Gordon, and I was like, hey, uh, how are things with, with RG? Is it possible to have a partnership and maybe uh, lend me some drivers and, and, and see what we could do from there? So I'd say, I'd say my, at least for the two races that I've had, the, the work was phenomenal and the support as well so considering i'm not officially one of their drivers it feels like i am one of their drivers and it also feels like for most if not any request uh i ask i get i get support right whether it be directly or indirectly or 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 anything from from asking tips for a wing at a certain track if they have past experience at that track or or anything they they really consider me like like one of them and I believe it's also from the results that I've shown uh, in the past seasons, but also for this season, Ennio, right now being uh, first in a championship with uh, with uh, Biela. Um, it's it's quite it's quite a big season for me. That's why I, re- I was really adamant to fly back on Sunday and to, to race that race, which uh, turned out not to be the best race, but it was a really good race for the points. So, yeah, moving forward, moving forward, already preparing for the next race. And uh, can't wait to see how this one will turn out. Well, Raseem, a couple of questions that I have for you is one thing I've noticed is not only are you well prolific in the world of sim racing since joining in 2013, but I also noticed you do a little kart racing in the real world. Uh, explain to us a little bit about that. So, so, and I'll start with the sim racing, if you don't mind. So in 2013, I joined for about a month or, or two, uh, did some street stock because I didn't know how to drive the MX-5, then let go of racing all the way up until... Uh, I think it was end of 2018, like from from winter, not from from fall 2018 onwards. This is why I came back on iRacing because I was on other sims and I wanted uh I wanted to see I was I was looking at F1 drivers being on iRacing and I was like, hey, maybe I can you know check what my pace is like and get a nice reference uh for my pace, right? Join iRacing and then started taking it seriously. When I did the Big C MX5 Challenge, broadcasted by uh, Justin Prince in the commentary booth, and that was quite iconic for me because from Big C to Red Bull, um, just because our headsets weren't completely soundproof, so just hearing Justin um, give the commentary kind of like gave me goosebumps from from way back when I did my first championship in Big C. So yeah, I'd say I have in terms of competitive sim racing, I have about let's give it like two and a half years. Uh, and karting, well, actually, the karting picture that I have on my racing profile page is just me winning uh, a four-stroke uh, uh, session, so a day session, which is like four times thirty minutes, because I did the record uh, in rental carts for that summer. But except for that, I've I have little to no real life experience. I've never raced competitively in a in a cart other than a, a rental cart, so. So yeah, it's uh, all that I learned for sim. All I learned for racing is from sim racing. Well, let's talk a little bit about that then. You know, you joined in 2013, took a little bit of a hiatus, and came back in 2018 to be more competitive. It's been a few years now. What have your thoughts been about the continued progress of iRacing? Everyone talks about 2020 being the breakout year for iRacing, but being someone who's been on for a while before that. What have you seen that helped has improved sim racing that so many people want to keep coming back to it and trying this form of esports competition? The open mindedness of everyone from from all levels. 
I'd say, first of all, on the iRacing side, um, I'll just talk about the iRacing side. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into details of the changes, right? But um, everybody in iRacing knows, iRacing knows some major changes happened to the cars, especially GT3s and and F3s um, in the last and GTEs in, in, in the last year and a half. Major changes, which makes makes the feel makes the cars feel much better, much much better. Right? So this is this is one, especially the MX5. The MX5 is really fun to drive ever since uh, that big update. So. This is one that I feel like a lot of people just get their hands on 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 a on a, on, a, on an entry level wheel and really get a nice feel for the car and 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 now moving on to when people join into iRacing uh the community is amazing the amount of discords servers that exist the forums um hell I've when I first started even competitive iRacing when I first joined my first team uh Mavano uh, I was just asking questions to the guys and they were answering me like I was there like since since like since forever, right? They were giving me all the tips and tricks. I even had access to telemetry from from one uh, really, really fast driver from, from their team. So so just just the support from everyone in iRacing, I feel like that's what's that's what's making it uh, what it is. And that's why people uh, really enjoy iRacing in general. It's so intriguing and all of that with that progression. Keep in mind, you referred to a little bit as well. You said the quote that when you see me out in one of the lounge areas just outside the Red Bull Gaming Studio, you said that exact quote and we're at, you're absolutely pumped up to know how far you've come. Can how I say it? Can I say it? Can I say it? Can I say yes. verbatim? I remember it. Yes. I, I looked at you and I said, Justin, from Big C to Red Bull, we made it. Yes. <laughs> yes. You're absolutely pumped up. It was absolutely incredible. The emotion and ecstaticness could feel and the excitement you had at the time. Because as mentioned, this is basically up there in terms of your biggest win, if not the biggest win on the service. How would you f- describe that progression knowing You've essentially been on that rise up through the ranks in the past year and a half from that big C's title to now. It's, I I don't know how to put it in words, but it's, let's say it's reassuring, right? Because sim racing, you're always chasing a time, but when you're practicing by yourself, you don't know what you're doing. Whether, I mean, you know, you can know what the car needs. But sometimes every now and then you just get at a racetrack with some faster drivers and you get beached by a 10th. And then you're like, man, I really need a 10th. Right. So now I'm at a stage in my, let's call it, iRacing career where I feel like I know, I'm starting to know where the car needs to be ultimate pace uh, around the track. I'm not saying that I'm at that level just yet, but I'm saying I'm starting to get a feel of I'm doing a bank of lap times and I'm like, okay, I'm missing that much time. Right, to be really top. Um, so I'd say it's a display that hard work pays off. And and no matter how much work I put in, I really have to make sure that I keep my head down and I never give up because it will pay off eventually. I have a couple more questions for you, Racine. You referred to preparation for your next race. What is coming up for you and your iRacing career in terms of the events and the series that you're now focusing on yeah um so this year i took it easy in comparison to last year last year i had neo seo and a few um special events 
which was a lot of uh, time and effort. Uh, I'm also a full-time engineer, so I don't have time mm-hmm. to practice uh, in comparison to full-time sim racers. Uh, I have about two to three hours every day on the weekday and about five to six hours every day, each day on the weekend. So my, I, I've, I rarely race officials and my main focus is January 16th, 2022. It's the six hours of Red Bull Ring for the 24-hour series esports. Um, and yeah, that's that's what I just started practicing last week. I have a few. I have about a hundred laps already. Um, yeah, that, that's that's what I'm I'm looking at. That's that's uh, that's my target. Where can fans find you on social media to be able to learn more about you and to be able to follow along with your racing career as you prepare for that next special event? Yes, I will. I have to make a Twitter because I have to, I have been requested by a few people, but. I do have an Instagram, so it's my first name and my last name tied together, no capitals. So it's Raseem Fazui, and I have some pretty intriguing memes. So if anyone enjoys memes and and wants to see my iRacing progress at the same time, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Raseem Fazui. Congratulations once again on the success with the Red Bull Ring Masters, and good luck in your preparation. And I know you're definitely happy about some of those prizes that came towards your direction, probably too. Congrats! Yep, thank you very much. I hope uh, I hope to hear your voice again on 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 other broadcasts. It's it's always fun to to have you commentate those races. Glad to hear. Thank you very much. Once again, that's Racine Vizui, the winner of the Red Bull Ring Masters for 2021 in Canada. With that, the news of the week coming up at the end of the break. Terry Radford will join Terry Taylor Burris for that. You're listening to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosby Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Taylor Burris here alongside Terry Radford with me here. Terry, I got to say, this past week with the world of iRacing has just been incredible. It all, of course, kicked things off with probably the biggest racing series on the iRacing service right now, Monday Night Racing. We headed back to Daytona International Speedway with the global MX-5 Cup cars. And if you had the chance to watch it in the real world, it was just as exciting, if not even more chaotic with the Monday Night Racing group. Yeah, it was pretty huge to see the runs that they were getting and calling it with Pike and, and, and Kenneth. was amazing to see the you would get through the infield portion, get back to the NASCAR uh, portion of the track, and you would see the runs. It, two seconds wasn't safe. They would get the draft all the way through there and going into one, they were backpack racing. And Balicki was able to come away with the win. It was awesome to see him take the green flag and or the checkered flag, listen to me. And uh, yeah, it was it was perfect timing for him, and, and, and he did a good job doing it. He certainly did. And, you know, one of the things that I found amazing with Monday Night Racing so far for the past three weeks that we, or four weeks that we've had is the camaraderie as well as all of the amazing talent that we've been seeing competing. I mean, we're seeing one week Kyle Busch winning, of course, at Las Vegas, as well as also... At the Michigan, the just the week before, the super late models, and then now Josh Balicki and Preston Pardis going battling it out with the MX-5 Cup cars. So as we look ahead, we're, we're going into something that's related to what we just got done talking with, of course, Evan C. about dirt racing with the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series heading back to Knoxville. And as we saw from last season, the la- first time we did this combination, Terry, it was chaotic, but entertaining. What do you think we could expect going into this round? 
Well, I correct you, Colin Fern beat Kyle Busch at Vegas, but for for NASC or for the trucks to go in there with Monday Night Racing with the stack competition that they have, you got some guys that didn't really show up on dirt when they went there in the actual uh, series when the truck showed up and when the Cup Series went over to uh, to Bristol. So a lot of those drivers are going to come in here with a tad bit more experience than the rest. But I, I still have to say that if you're going into there, the one guy, he's on top of the power rankings right now, David Shieldhouse. He's been consistent on all levels that he's done so far. Road course, plate tracks, mile and a half, two mile. Uh, I think he's the one to watch for the entirety of the race. But I also wouldn't sleep on 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 Gary Sexton either. That's, a, that's another guy that's been... Uh, that's been catching my eye with great runs. He hasn't been the most upfront in your face, but he's there when it matters at the end. So I expect something crazy. And I know from the broadcast booth, uh, we're, we're going to be keeping our eye on a bunch of people going sideways, hoping that they can save it. Certainly is going to be exciting to watch. Of course, things kick off with the Monday Night Racing Road to Glory series starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time as the future stars of the Pro Series battle it out. Nick Olsen already going back-to-back weeks in the world of motor racing, looking to pick up his third win of the season. And can we see someone new take home the Pro Series win as we've had four different winners in the past four weeks? So catch all the action starting at 7 on Monday night. And of course, we already touched a little bit more about this, the iRacing World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Car Series. They were at Kokomo. We talked to our winner, Evan, who was, I got to say, standout performance, stand-up guy with what he was able to accomplish, making his way all the way through the entire field, just about to take home the checkered flag there. Your thoughts on this accomplishment of a drive, which we rarely see when it comes to dirt sprint car racing because it's so difficult and so a tight-knit group of drivers that are so competitive against each other. Well, I think it's a testament of how much work he put in, and and that's something that I tell everybody that goes, well, I want to go race up here. Well, if you don't put the time into it, you really aren't going to see the the fruits of your your labor. And for him, him coming onto dirt as like a new adventure for him, to come out and I believe his third start and just absolutely tear through the field, take the win, it just shows how dedicated he is to what he does and his craft is speaking for itself. Certainly is. And of course, the next track they go to, well, we're heading to Bristol, the dirt track, and it's going to provide a interesting opportunity, I think, Terry. It's a new dirt track that iRacing has added to the service, especially after this year with the excitement of this combination. Of course, World of Outlaws has raced here both in the real world and for the virtual world for a while now. But your thoughts on going to this for the first time in a world championship matter? Well, I think it's it's huge for iRacing and for Bristol to see your track in, in a different way. I mean, we saw them put dirt on it many years ago uh, for the World of Outlaws. And to do it on iRacing and, and to put a championship race on it uh, just shows that okay maybe nascar didn't have this crazy idea after all where they said hey let's put the cup cars out here and let's do it to let's do it to bristol uh it's it's going to be an amazing show i wouldn't be surprised to see evan go back to back and take it again because they're they're kind of similarities there where the bottom's going to be the preferred groove and moving around at that track's going to be a little bit difficult because you can pull the slide from the bo- or from the top to the bottom uh and still be able to hold a lot of grip Certainly is going to be interesting to see who will come out on top with that. Of course, the next round is going to be on Monday, November 29th at 9 p.m. on iRacing's streaming services. 
Uh, in other news, also, iRacing today just released a special couple of screenshots of a very iconic UK circuit, the Knockhill Racing Circuit, which is a phenomenal facility, Terry. It's good to see some pictures as we draw closer to the 2022 Season 1 build. Well, I, I tell you, and I, I, I told this to a couple people, iRacing is its own entity because you can go anywhere in the world. And the fact that we're putting one of the coolest tracks from the UK out here on this on the new build that's coming up just shows that when iRacing says, hey, we want to be the premier form of motorsports across the world and for esports in general, it's perfect. It's a match made in heaven because I love going from Volusia to Bristol to Daytona to the UK to Italy, wherever in the world you want to go. And with the Black Friday sale going on, what gets better than that? You get 25% off for renewing for a year. You certainly do, of course. And, of course, for new members, they get 50% off as well. So make sure to go check that out while the sale lasts. And then, of course, finally, in other news as we come to a close on this, Terry, of course, Steve Myers from iRacing made us a little bit of a preview hint of the Las Vegas Coliseum track that iRacing, NASCAR, the eNASCAR Pro Series drivers, and the real-world NASCAR Cup Series drivers have been working so hard to help fine-tune the next-gen car as well as this track. And they are excited to announce that this track will be released at least the week of mm. the Bush Class at the Coliseum, which is going to be very exciting. I got to say, this track combination just opens the door for so many other opportunities. Of course, just the past two years alone, we've seen what iRacing has been able to do with coming up with some incredible opportunities and combinations when it comes to their track and car selection. Yeah, and, and to put something out there for NASCAR on top of what the Super Bowl is going to do just speaks wonders of how much NASCAR is wanting to grow. You know, there's a lot of fans that come out that say, well, NASCAR's not trying. NASCAR uh, is dying off. It's a dying breed. But NASCAR's doing everything that it can. To go out to the Coliseum in a place where legends have played, I mean, you could go back in history and see where the Rams went out there and played when, when you had USC play in there. That's a huge market for NASCAR to take advantage of. It does open the opportunity for some of these other football stadiums or these other baseball stadiums to go, hey, we can put a track in here and we can run something similar to this on top of the World Series, on top of uh, the Snowball Derby, the Kentucky Derby. How cool would it be to go out if you're in Los Angeles and go, hey, there's a race going on over here. They've never been a NASCAR fan, and they go watch it, and they go, man, I really enjoy this. And we have lifelong fans because of one move that NASCAR did. And for iRacing to be a part of that just shows you how far along iRacing has came since the pandemic of it wanting to blow up and everybody wanted to be a part of iRacing sitting at home. And that's a testament to NASCAR, to its partners at Fox, NBC, uh, and just the amazing work that Dale Jr.'s done to show people that iRacing's more than just a video game. It is a home for people to come in and hone their crafts to get out on a real racetrack. I love it, and I can't wait to see that track be on this server and see it be on TV for the first time. I think the last time we saw a actual racing circuit inside of a sports coliseum such as the L.A. Coliseum has to be over at the Miami baseball field 
where the race of champions decided to build a indoor arena in the baseball field, which was phenomenal to go watch. So if anyone wants to learn more about that, go check that out on any YouTube channel. It's a race you do not want to miss. But Terry, it's time that we bring this episode to a close. Of course, for our special guests that we've had here today, Evan C. And then, of course, Justin Prince, who is my co-host and my partner in crime. For my special guest host, Terry Radford, our producer, of course, none other, the wonderful Wayne Owens. I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. <laughs>